Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog and far out. It is a new year. I know last week we released the episode, but we're actually recording in the new year. So happy new year to everyone. And Luke, happy new year to you too, brother. Happy new year, Panos. Happy new year, everyone who takes the time to listen to our humble little show. We really appreciate it. And um, this is our, what, third new year recording the show now. Yes. So I hope we're still relevant for you guys. I hope you get something out of it and uh, continue to support us through the next year. And we, we appreciate you guys. Well said. I agree. Look, you know, I think even if no one was listening, this is a great way for us to catalog our own thoughts and putting it down, you know, I guess, you know, on paper, so to speak, it's recorded and mm. it helps you shift through your thoughts so you can put them into words and then you can figure out how to help others or even refine your own skills. So it's helping me and I know it helps you and the conversation is always helpful and fun. And then everyone else, whoever's listening, we love you and, and your support. And talking about listeners, Roger, an avid listener of ours and big supporter. So, you know, much love to you, brother. He sent in a question and I thought, this Q and A we should do together because why not? It's a, it's a, I guess it's a little bit more deeper than, than if I just did it on my own, and also it'll be really fun. So, it's all about condition relaxation and what that means. Well, actually, let's we'll read his question and then we'll go through my list of what I wanted to cover. So, he says, any chance you guys can do an episode on condition relaxation? If you do it, how do you do it? And if not, why not? And suggestion on how and when to start. Also, should you start in critical period or is there a time where you can teach it due to the dog's age? Also, any thoughts on making the down position of the relaxation only and eventually phase out reward for the down instead rewarding the release from the down? My question or thought is if I could condition the down to be a position of immediate relaxation and only use it in locations where it's necessary, I'm curious if we ask for downs because we have taught downs if our desire to use the position of down to gain better control to allow wooden conditions so hold on a sec wouldn't and then something happened there so and is, he, goes, is he kind of asking like um is it possible to train almost like a second down where it's where you're actually telling the dog to relax yeah, so he asked the question he goes so the last sentence was supposed to read if our desire to use the down is to gain control then wouldn't condition relaxation be better for the down compared to having the down be an active position or one that caps behavior which could increase drive and work against us if our desires was to gain control or retention and um so we'll just quickly talk if people are listening and not understanding what condition relaxation is. I guess the words itself kind of define it, but to be relaxed under a conditioned response to a certain tri um, trigger or stimulus. So um, it's usually in context. And to answer his question specifically, I thought I would 
give a whole list of how we can cre create condition relaxation. And a good example, and we've talked about this before, is crate training, is condition relaxation. If done correctly, your dog should go into the crate when we tell them to. They go into the crate, we shut the door, and immediately the dog lays down and assumes a position of complete relaxation. And that's that relaxation happened immediately for going into the crate because that's the conditioned response because that's what the crate means to him. Now, there's some dogs that are not conditioned to be relaxed in the crate. They're conditioned to be stressed in the crate. As soon as they go in there, they start panting and barking. So, yeah, it's so obviously conditioned it either way. And it's all got to do with, yeah, of course, your technique and how you do it. But the point or one of the main reasons for crate training is that conditioned relaxation. It's for the dog to understand I'm in here now and I'm only going to be in here until I get let out. And I only usually get let out when I'm calm. So at first it's, he's like making effort to be calm, I guess, or it just happens to be when he becomes calm. But then like you see with, with Chili, I'm throwing the ball for him. I'm doing whatever. And cause he's a dog that I mainly crate train. As soon as I put him in the back of my ute, he jumps in the crate, close the crate. And from being very active and sniffing and, and doing a training session, as soon as he goes in there, he drinks his water, he lays down and he's, he'll probably be asleep within the next, you know, seven minutes. It's the same and, for shadow. Exactly. And and, that, and that's a it's point the way we've it, right? trained it. Yeah. That's the whole point. So, and it's, um, um, it's like, it's the chicken and the egg. It's like, well, is he relaxed because you've put him in the crate or does he, does the crate relax him? Uh, and I don't know if that really makes sense, but it's like you, when you first crate train the dog, it's like, it's brand new. Right. But generally what I, did with shadow and what I kind of encourage clients to do is at the start, use the dog's tiredness in, in your favor. And like you just said there, you're generally doing that at the end of um, a client session. So I'm going to assume Chili's had a bit of a run and whatnot. And so he's probably maybe ready to have a bit of a lie down and you just also happen to put him in the crate at that time. Now over, over, over time that, then also builds into a condition response in that most like even when he was, was yeah yeah when he was learning the crate you know the 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 of the being in the crate when he was learning that generally speaking he was always put in there when he was already tired or, or whatever it was right um and so over time then that becomes that conditioned response exactly. to being in the crate yeah so i don't know you can tell me if i've used this example with you i think i may have talked about it last time where my water filter has been going slow and it's very frustrating when you're filling up the water bottle. It's the last thing you generally do before you leave the house. And if you're running a little bit late waiting for an extra minute for the water to be filled is just a frustrating random thing. And when you're experiencing that frustration because it's coming out slow, the monkey brain wants to, you know, get angry at the tap, but what does that even mean? It makes no sense. So while I'm filling it up, I'm getting frustrated. And I thought, well, I can do three deep belly breaths, while I fill up this water and I will do that every time my watch hits 12, um, it hits the hour, it beeps and I do three deep belly breaths and it works in the same way where I thought I'll do that one, I'll get three free breaths while I'm filling up the water so I don't get frustrated. And then there was a time where maybe it was a month and a half after, you know, I started doing it. I ran, I was one time I was in a particular rush and as soon as I ran to the, the tap and I turned on the tap, I just... And I automatically took this really deep breath completely without no conscious effort. It happened as soon as I clicked my, I was like, wow. And I was actually surprised and quite fascinated that 
I did that to myself and I thought that was really cool. And that's what conditioning is. It's when the it's stimulus is present. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we want from a conditioned relaxation is that we can create a cure, a cue to the dog so that he can go, he or she can go into a calm, relaxed state on, on command or in a context. So my examples here, and it's not limited to this would be crate the commands down for, so with Chile, I'll talk about down versus cattle and bed versus place. And I will discuss that a little bit in a second. When you tether your dog, if you do it correctly, you tether your dog, your dog goes and should be just relaxed and laying there until you untie them. Um, and doing particular rub downs. It's a J Jack thing that I learned where he talks about after, usually after intense activity, um, working on the rub down for your dog to learn to be conditioned, or to be relaxed while we start to do the rub down. And we'll go into a little bit of that as well. But let's talk about the down versus gato and you do do you do something similar do you have two different commands for down i i don't but i am planning on having one because shadow is um starting to come out with me more and more and i want to have one that i'm basically my plan is anyway to mainly use it when i'm with clients Mm -hmm. and to show it because at the moment of honestly the down for him i'll use it at within a string of other obedience as part of, you know, when I'm throwing the ball or something for him at the park. And so Mm -hmm. he's kind of the way I've taught it over the last year, he's kind of only ever really been put, I can put him in a down, you know, in the living room or whatever, but like if we're out and about, I, yeah, I can put him in a down, but generally speaking, I would say he, he, he knows that often we'll use the down, just when we're doing kind of obedience in the park and nine times out of 10, his reinforcer in the park is the ball. So he's kind of anticipating to be broken from that position relatively quickly. So I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but I want to have a more stable down where I don't necessarily reward him out of position. I'll probably teach it where I reward exactly. him in, always in position and showing sure. that, that, that there's a separation. Well, you know, I'll have another word for it. And that's exactly Roger's question is, can we have a down where we're not, because he's talking about having a sort of, he has a high drive down. He wants his dog to be in anticipation with high drive to be jacked with dope, dopamine when he does it. He wants to have um, clarity when we're, especially if you're going to, you know, do some sort of competition or, or obedience stuff with our dogs. We want one to be reliable with intensity and you want one to be, kind of relaxed and it's exactly what i do with chili and it was after speaking with with um pat patchua from the canine paradigm when we were chatting about when i get a new dog i noticed a few things with spades and i was just going through you know just kind of bouncing ideas off him and his suggestion to me was you have one command to be high drive to have an anticipation of something that's going to be good so you have this nice sphinx looking down which is very beautiful and looking great and you have another command which means hey you're down you're going to be there for quite a while so just lay down and go to sleep it's exactly what i do so when i say down to to chili he's down and he's there for ages probably 25 minutes half an hour he doesn't really move i was tethering him but at this stage i can just have the lead loose on the ground he's been shown to be very reliable obviously i've been rewarding it and i've been and i don't reward it heavy so with my clicker i'm using my clicker for a release like a terminal bridge i want the dog to be released out of position to come and get food from me and it's so always this, very this down that you're doing for like let's say client sessions that kind of thing um or not even client sessions when i go to the playground well, the more stable one yeah okay so let's yeah. just say the more stable one yeah um do you tend to reward in position for that 
Always. I've yep. never clicked out and out of position. I've never marked, I've never marked and thrown a so ball for go. him. Ex- so one, exactly. one he's anticipating to be rewarded in place and the other one he know, he generally knows or understands that he will be clicked out of position and rewarded whatever it is, a ball or whatever it is out of exactly. position. More yeah, high so, drive. So like when, that's when, you when I say a passive behavior for an active reward, right? Ex- exactly. hundred percent. But then even then that's yet to develop the impulse control within the technique. This is more of, if I say, hey, so I have a kind of a few words for him as well because we're developing a full language since we spend freaking 10 hours a day with each other, where if I tell him wait, he'll do the same thing. He'll just lay down If or actually he'll always lay down. If I say wait there, he just lays down. If I say down, he'll lay, he'll lay down. And you can see the way he lays down. He kind of, it's a kind of a lazy down. He's like lays on his hip. He knows I'm going to be here for a while. Usually when, so then, so here I wrote down context is important for your dog to understand, to generalize your technique, because if we only do it with clients, for example, then he may not do it in other areas. So yeah, I, yeah. I can do it every, every, and every new picture is a new picture. Basically, exactly. it's right. a new situation for him yeah. to think, do I do it here as well? I don't get it. And so for everyone listening, cause not everyone's a dog trainer. So if you're going to go, for example, when I was saying when Leonardo plays in the playground, you want to watch your kids play play sport. You don't want your dog to think, I'm in the down now. <laughs> they may present the tongue waiting for the ball, ball or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Your dog's in drive, he's all jacked up, and it's and it's the right it's so another thing I wrote here is um doesn't matter, I'll find it in a second. Is basically if you have him in the wrong state of mind, in the in the in the wrong context, you're kind of going against what you want because you tell him to down at the soccer game and then when you tell him to guttle, you tell him the formal command where it's maybe something really, really exciting, intense is going to happen. He may be more likely to break position and chase the ball if he thought he was being rewarded or whatever. There's more situation where your dog is anticipating something more intense. So I guess over time it becomes a little bit less reliable like it's not it's more reliable for it to happen in that moment but it may not be very reliable for massive long durations because you're not really correcting it like i correct i don't ever correct um chili when i say gato if i say gato and he doesn't i would punish him by not giving him the ball i would even sometimes stop the session but there's never anything like there's no physical leash pressure yeah but with the down if he gets up i say and there's been a couple of times where i've put some pressure on to follow it up for him to understand Hey, like I need you to chill. Like you need to be completely relaxed. So at first he was like, Oh, I'm suppressed in my drive. I thought I had a command that something was going to come from this. That's why I taught him a complete new Greek command that no one's ever said it to him. So I started it fresh for, for the more reliable, intense looking um, um, down command. However, I don't want to ruin the kato. I don't want, I want that to look good. I want it to be intense, but also I need it to be reliable in the moment, not for him to second guess it. So perfect example happened a couple of weeks ago. We're at a session and I had him off the leash. There was a big kind of pond, but the pond wasn't a pond. It was like more of a creek. And I didn't know there was ducks behind the trees. And all I see him is just, just so fast run to into the pond. And I hear him splash in. I say his name, Chili. And then I couldn't see him, but I do exactly what I do every other time, Ella. And then that, and I saw him coming towards me and he's probably about 20 meters from me. Bang. And he smashed into the down. And then I'm like, Oh, he was covered in mud. He was definitely in the pond. And that pond was kind of very close to Henry Lawson drive, very busy road. And it was, it's kind of dodgy. I didn't want anything to happen. 
And in that moment, under full clarity, I had everything exactly what I wanted. And I happened to have a treat pouch on me because I was at work and I happened to have my clicker with me. So I clicked and he ran to me and I fed him. And I thought that was awesome. He came to me in the middle of his prey drive where he jumped into a pond to try to chase the ducks. I don't know if he would actually bite the duck if he got to it because he's never shown any, um, any actual physical contact, but he wants to hurt it for sure. And the fact that he left it to come to me in, in hope that maybe the ball's going to happen. Where if I say, hey, Chili, he's here. willing to gamble that that you, whatever you, whatever the clicker represents, he's willing to gamble that that is better in the moment than the ducks. Exactly. Well, the clicker always for him is a release for food, always. And I say, chop means I'm going to throw the ball, and piasto means come to um, play tug with me. So I have multiple commands for them to mean specific things. Yeah. And then I play around with it. And especially if I've got the ball on the rope, sometimes it's a tug game, sometimes. I'm going to throw it and I want to reserve it for that to be so specific and it's, and he fully gets it. And also my commands and markers are all separate to my other dog. So I can teach him to do a whole bunch of stuff and they're not getting confused or anything. And, but the down is for everybody. So when I go to the coffee shop the other day and I used, and I pushed the pram up there, I told the dogs down in the shade and everyone lay down at the same time. And they knew they were going to be there for seven to 10 minutes, came back out. Okay. Went up to the park. So to answer Roger's question, you should have a separate command, one for a longer duration, boring, it doesn't matter. And yes, you know, the correction will be more specific to you have to actually stay there and, and nothing exciting is going to come from this. You'll still pay him and you still obviously, it's not like it's a daunting place, which is my last point I wanted to talk to. It's more about, okay, well, we're going to be here for a while. And exactly what the crate means, you can put a dog that's never been in a crate before, shove them in a cage, they're not going to like it. And um, so... You have to show them how it is. And that's the difference between, for my dogs, when I say bed, the dogs go into their bed inside the house. We're just chilling out. But if I'm, if I've put a rubber mat on the ground out in the park, or if I'm out in the backyard and I say place, chili onto the bed like, with intensity. And that's why I don't walk into the house and say place. And then he like runs to it thinking, holy moly, it's on now. Something good's going to come. So I can use this, that gamble as we was talking before, for when I really absolutely need it, I use that command. And that way that's exactly like how someone would use in comp on competition day. You have your commands and you're rewarding intermittently, but there's going to be one day on that trial day that the dog's not going to get any reward for the whole entire 45 minutes. The dog's thinking, where's the reward? But tomorrow you go back to reward an intermittent schedule. So unless if you keep asking for commands and not paying them, especially high value, then the dog won't perform, especially for so long with so much rely with so much reliability. Does that make sense? I think there's a couple of um, overarching uh, themes to remember with this. Is like the first one is you can have you can label. So in terms of like classical conditioning, what what is the definition? Right, it's when one signal reliably predicts another signal. Right, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, one stimulus you know reliably predicts another. And then, and it forms a chain, and then it creates so, a condition response. Correct. So mm -hmm. if you, all you have to do is have to answer Roger's question is to just have a different name, show a different picture, and and label it as such, and don't cross your wires, don't confuse yep. the dog. Mm -hmm. The other thing to remember with um, classical conditioning is that the um, the feelings, the emotional state, all of that kind of stuff gets conditioned to the marker as well. So that's why, for example, in that example, like you had said before with um, Chile and the clicker, 
you've spent enough time conditioning the marker in his mind that it's always going to be a really nice little jackpot of food or nice little hit of food. And so as soon as he hears that clicker, he knows exactly what that means. And whatever emotions he has towards the food that's in your treat pouch are contained within that clicker. And mm-hmm. it's not actually the the receival, the receiving of the um, food that, you know, gives that spike in the, in the, the dog's brain. It's actually the clicker. It's the anticipation of the reward. Well, no, right. it's actually the command. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the yeah. first signal, right? Yeah. yeah. Or even yeah. their name. In, like, oh, like in that moment, I had to say, chill. I feel at this stage anyway, saying his name. <gasps> oh, my God. And especially the way he says, if I went, chili, like that, then probably, oh, maybe not. But the way that I say it, chili, in that way, he, he, he knows that, again, that's been conditioned. So he goes, he's going to give a command. I give the command, Ella, which means come. He starts to come. I give the gato, which means down, and he downs. So, and then you're right. It's the clicker in the past that's created the dopamine for the future time that you've given the command because I've heard that specific thing that always meant that. But then it's context again because how about when today I want to give an example for tug and normally I play tug in a field or in a park and today it was raining. So I went into the dry, into the garage and I did it in the garage and I, it took me a a little bit, maybe 30 seconds to 45 seconds to get him jacked up into a, the the state of drive that he would have been if I was, if I took him out of the car and brought him to the park, he would have snapped, smashed into it straight away. But it seemed to be in that moment, he, and I think he was most perplexed because he had to run hard when he was slipping on the surface of the concrete. And I didn't take that into consideration. So I had to change the way I played. But then if I I think context as well will affect on the opposite of condition relaxation because you could tether your dog in your house and your dog knows, especially as soon as I get tied up in the house, I go to and relax. And if you do that for, you know, 50 days in a row, one day you do it in front of the coffee shop on paper, he should relax because it's a thing that you've done. But I think now that he's outside with all the leading and of anticipation of some other thing while he's on the walk on the way to the coffee shop, if you don't practice that, you're not going to get the same condition relaxation you are in the house because the context matters a lot. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Every, every situation, every picture that changes, uh, we said that exactly. you basically like reteaching the command. That's, that's how we proof a command, right? Well, and so then we you can change it too, because I know for a fact that Chili, um, previous owner, she said drop for him to lay down, but I don't like saying drop for lay down. I actually like to say drop for him to let go of something. So at first there was a little tiny bit of confusion, but I just acted as if I didn't know this fact and that we just started fresh. And there's times where it does, especially when he's heightened, we're playing and I'll say drop, he'll let go, but still <clears throat> into that down as well. Mm. And then he gets up straight away like, ah, oh, that doesn't work here. And not only does to remember as well is like you can, you can condition a state in either direction. So we're talking about conditioned um, relaxation, but that's just, one example, like yes. the, the conditioning can happen in, in either direction, right? There's a really good story on, on Pat's course. And I think you were at that seminar where he recorded it and he talks about, you know, he's driving home from an evening with his mate and uh, I think it was vivid, right? And they had glow sticks in the car and they, they, it's like really late at night and they're sort of half asleep and whatever. And like Pat, and, and his mate, they used to be special forces snipers, right? So they were always in helicopters at nighttime. And when they're on these jobs, sort of a minute out or whatever it is, 30 seconds out, 
the guy that sort of made, you know, managing the back of the helicopter used to hold two glow sticks up like that to show them that they were about to hit the ground, right? Because they, they're, they're, it's nighttime and it's, it's dark, right? So they're using glow sticks and they're driving home in the car and Pat's mate's half asleep and he, Pat gets two glow sticks that the kids had been playing with at the vivid light festival. Right. And he turns around to his mate and goes, Hey, shows the glow sticks and goes 30 seconds like that. And instantly his mate was like adrenalized. Like he was back in the fight. Mm, he woke up many, straight away ready he, to go. Is yeah. how, how many, how many times has that happened? Actually, I think, sorry, it was his mate that did it to Pat. My bad. Yeah, Pat, had the, Pat the, was adrenalized. The, and then yeah, like, he exactly. couldn't go to sleep after that. Yes. Right. Exactly. But it's like instant, that condition state instantaneously because it's happened to him so many times in the past. Well, I guess why I'm using the examples of conditioning Chile to be in high drive for the same command as when I can make him board is that you, the, the reason for the question would be, well, I want the down to be really impressive and nice and, and intense, but then I also want a very, you know, reliable, stable one. And well, to, ha- to have both of them, there's a contrast. And the point is, is whatever you train with one command and you train another, the same behavior like laying down is laying down, but there's two types of laying down and your dog won't get confused by it. And I think, I think that's a bit of reassurance and also play around and try it out. I don't think you're going to ruin everything, anything. And the reason why I say use complete new commands when you're doing these things is that if you ruin that one command for whatever, it doesn't matter. Don't um, stress. Guess what? Yeah. You can reteach any command you want. Use the basics of operant and classical conditioning and the principles apply the same principles and do it in the right order. And you can reteach anything you want. Exactly. Now, and sometimes you, you know, look, maybe there are limitations if you have been too firm or too hard in the wrong context, I mean, the wrong situation with your dog and then may not want to go back into a certain position because like a lack of trust or something, or it could be like if you're teaching real complex skills and you've created superstitious behaviors in amongst all of that, sometimes you're going back and starting with a new command, but sometimes when dogs go into a behavior, they just like when I say drop, sometimes he will lay down and then he'll correct himself. He gets back up. He's like, I don't need to do that. Yeah, but you can also reteach a behavior with the same word is if you put the, if you put the animal into the, let's say it's a slightly different position and then you label it and you mark it. If you do that enough times, you can actually change the meaning of the existing word. So you don't necessarily have to, you don't necessarily have to have a new word even. No, exactly. Well, when I use drop to mean drop a ball, not to lay down, he did get the change, but I think there is a bit of residualness into it. You know what I mean? I think that's, like even if you wanted to sharpen a command, right? You can put the dog into the position that you you really really want, and then you can label that and you mm-hmm. can mark in that position, and and you do that enough times, and the classical conditioning will take effect in that sharpened position, whereas per, maybe previously it was it wasn't quite where you wanted it to be. Exactly. Um, on that note, in terms of being specific and working this much with our dogs, is that condition relaxation is only really a thing if you're fulfilling your dog's needs and desires in other areas of their daily life. So it's not like you can't, you can't just have a dog that's just doing nothing in your backyard and then go, Hey, now just be conditioned to be relaxed for me. And it doesn't work that way. You yeah. have to They're not toys, buy. eh? You can't yeah. just take the batteries out. Exactly. Fulfill your dogs, exercise them, train them, do everything that you're supposed to do specific to your dog's, you know, requirements. And each dog is different. You know, if you've got a, you know, Belgian Malinois compared to a, you know, a Beagle, you've got two different types of dogs and you fulfill them a little bit differently, the same, but different, you know, and 
if you're not tick, ticking all those boxes, then 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 I guess what's the point of doing condition relaxation? So, and also we're suggesting condition relaxation is good because sometimes our dogs need to know how to chill out. Like there's a time where I was training chilly the other day. I went way too far, and he looked like he was going to pass out or something. Not not actually. He was just really over threshold and he was kind of like jittery, not doing things correctly because he was just overdriven. So I just told him to down and I gave him, you know, a, a couple of minutes, maybe a minute or two. And I released him. We continued walking. And then I issued a couple of extra commands in those moments. And then I finished the session. So you want to use it to get them out of, out of drive as well. So they don't do stupid things, you know, um, especially like injuries. If you're over, if they become too overdriven and then you, 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 and you have to know their limits as well. And, you know, sometimes we learn the hard way as well, you know, not knowing like, Oh, he really loves it. But as soon as I say finished with any um, training, especially when it comes to the ball and playing tug, as soon as they finish, you know, how far you've gone. As soon as you, you give that um, finished command, because he will lay down and pant crazy, or he may have the ball and go, yeah, I may go and find some water. So, know your dog as well when you are trying to fulfill them. But then when you do give them the opportunity to be in their cradle, to be tethered in your house um, and to give the bed command compared to telling them to place, those things actually make more sense because it's a duality thing. Um, condition relaxation usually happens by just normal living and through consistent and reliable schedules. So you'll be surprised or people are like, oh, I think I do that when um, a certain situation. Every time a dog comes in the car, we don't do anything crazy because I'm only going to pick up my mom and take her somewhere. So as soon as the dog goes in the car, they go to sleep. And it's exactly what happens with my dogs. They do spend a lot of time in the vehicle. So as soon as they get in there, they're not hanging out the window. Oh my God, what's going on? As soon as they go in there, they all just lay down because they're like, yeah. we're going to be in here it's for a while. Nothing to be excited about. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but it happens in normal everyday life that these things happen. Well, it happens to me. I know that as soon as I, I, I go into a hot um, bath, as soon as I lay in there, I'm straight away in the, in, in that place. In mm -hmm. um, My mindset shifts immediately just from the whole ritual of what I do before even getting into the bath. So mm -hmm. I think um, it happens for us as well, and you probably should see how that works for us. But another thing that I wanted to kind of wrap it all up on, or before I do this, we'll talk about the rub down real quick. Tethering is, I have tethering and rub downs we haven't talked about. Tethering is pretty obvious. Tie your dog up back in the house, time, yeah. you know, back time, give them small amounts of time on it, increase the duration over time, do it different places. And it happens very, doesn't have, it doesn't mean need much effort at all, except for being consistent. The rub downs are really cool one. Cause if you can get into a massage flow with your dog and especially dogs that don't know how to relax when they're being touched. And that's a lot of dogs. So you want to show them that there's a certain way of touching. I'm not even going to do it any justice, but just type in J Jack rub downs. And there's, there's things on YouTube where at first, and I saw, um, Jazz from Prime Canine, she did it awesome where she showed a video at first where every time she was patting this little staffy, very excited. The first time that she practiced, it took her 25 minutes of this specific, like, you know, rubbing technique where the dog actually lay down his back and started to relax. And she projected, like, you know, did little quick little videos over like three weeks or something. And as, as soon as after the session finished, she'll go into like a kneeling position. Dog comes up, she does that one rub down the dog's back dog lays down and he's on his belly and then she rubs the belly and said so, and it's that massage time it's that condition relaxation and it's through touch and physical and that enhances your relationship it helps you find is your dog tight you got any like is there anything happening any cuts and bruises or whatever so um 
So I think that was really cool as well. And it's a great example because it's a very interpersonal. It's not giving them a command. It's more about through physical touch. It's a little bit more primal. And I think it's, um, it's a good bonding time as well because you're actually, you know, giving them therapy. If you know how to find muscles and kind of, you know, softly massage or whatever, then if that's your thing, then give it a go. Um, but the last thing I wanted to, well, any thoughts on that, bro? No, I think I, there's not much we can say about that that hasn't already been said by Jay Jack. I do use it. Uh, I think overall this um, this episode has been quite relevant for for me and Shadow because he's a very he's a very high drive dog and his general state is not that relaxed. You know, no. not, he, he doesn't <laughs> he he goes from zero to one hundred really quick, and I've been very, very, um, this is an example, for example, like inside and outside the house. So like inside this house, he, we are very clear with him and show him very, very clearly that there are very, um, strict rules about how much drive and intensity he's allowed to show in the house, which is basically zero. Right. And any, any time he, so we did what that, what does that mean? That means, I don't ever incite him to play in the house. I don't in I don't give him, um, for example, tugs or balls or, or toys that themselves induce a conditioned state in him. Like a you know a chuck it ball, he sees that he loses his mind. He only ever gets that at the park or in the backyard here, right? So I don't confuse him by showing him objects or or you know. But you wouldn't behave, ask those behavior. commands. Yeah. I don't, I don't show him behaviors. I ask, I basically want him to be as calm as possible. Exactly. Me. Master your castle. Well. Yeah, exactly. And, and exactly. You just come into the house. It's not like they're robots and you just lay down you can plot around and follow me if you like and do whatever. If I tell you to go to your bed because I'm eating and you're kind of all up in my grills and I'll tell you to, but it's pretty chilled in the house, but because nothing, as you said, nothing happens in the house. And I think that's where heaps of people go wrong. Um, but the most perfect example because as soon as he comes into the house he and you know obviously now there's times where he's probably really excited depending on who's in and whatever whatever but through consistency and as he continues to mature he will realize hey man like it's just, it's always like this and it's always when you get to around that two and a half three year old dog where you start to see even more of that general state because it's what he understands yeah, but um, but on that note, it, <laughs> the first the first year has been pretty interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> and every time I see him, he's not relaxed when you can't when I go to the door. But he loves you. Yeah, we can. We're, we're going to see more. On it. Yeah. Every time, every time is he, he's a lot a lot more controlled, and he's controlling those impulses, which is yeah. which is hilarious. He's so funny. Um, but condition relaxation is not about flattening a dog or shutting them down. We want our we want to use drive when it's appropriate. We want to be show our dogs when to be calm when it's appropriate. And it has to be, as I said before, context. So because Roger sent me a video, you know, a week ago, and he said, and it was this other trainer with all of his dogs. Like he was like, it was, hey, this is movie night. And it was like one of the reels on Instagram. And movie was playing on a projector in this big like warehouse dog training center. And all the dogs were on their on their beds. And yes, they were on their beds but they looked freaking terrified that, um, while sitting on the bed. Now I looked probably more terrified because it was all dark and there was a flash camera going up to them and they probably looked freaked out, but you can tell, yeah, they're on their bed because they're shitting themselves. If they break position, they're going to get like super punished. You can tell it's mm. not like, Hey, look at the dogs and they're chilling out and, you know, 
20 of them are laying on their beds and there's a couple of them moseying around. I'd say, hey, that's pretty impressive that they all chose to lay down on their beds because they know it's movie night and they should be relaxed because it's a slumber party on a Saturday night. Like what the hell, how anthropomorphic. But um, but you can see that the dog's on their beds, but if you know anything about you can see that they were stressed and that they were shut down. That now, I, and I, my response to him was, hey, look, that, that doesn't look good and it, and it actually isn't what you want. But then, and then he says the problem with, because I think he's maybe at a point and it seems that, he wants to have all the benefits of having the drive and the intensity, but also he wants a relaxed dog and he doesn't want to take away one from the other. And we're trying to say here that if we are purposeful of how we do it and he's on the right track, it just, it takes time for it to come to fruition as well. Especially if you haven't started doing it from day one, like I started doing all of these things straight away with Chili day one of having him at a year old. So I was able to program him, so to speak, a little bit easier because I was already doing it with a plan. So, um, but I said, well, how about this? Because if we're shutting down drive, is that a bad thing? But I don't think it's always bad because I said to him, I'm quite high energy at 7.57. I'm still ready to walk my dogs and give them a feed and do a bunch of stuff. And I'm going to sleep at like 11.30, 12 o'clock tonight. So like I'm, I'm generally high energy guy. And I said to him, you have to suppress my drive, especially when I went to school, for example, that was suppressing my drive big time. How bad is that? Or for example, I like to, you know, do martial arts. Maybe I like to do some jujitsu or some boxing, but it doesn't mean I walk down the street, start choking people out and punching them in the ribs. It means that there's a time and place where I can use it. And then when I'm Unless at home with it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me, but, um, or we say that we, but then when I'm in another context, like right now, I'm pretty calm. And so like, I think we have to know that it's not suppression if we can allow it to happen somewhere else. So when our dogs come into our house, people are thinking, I say, perfect, your dog comes in and he knows nothing happens. It's because he's getting all of it everywhere else. It just happens to know that there's a certain percentage of the day you're inside the house. And in that percentage of the time of the day, you're not doing anything except for chilling out with me because I'm not doing anything crazy in here either. There's a big difference between suppression and control. I think, you know, teaching control versus just like crushing a dog's um, demeanor. I was, that that the word like their, their spirit, you know, breaking their spirit. And, and, and that's where a lot of people can be upset by, you know, trainers using pressure and using punishment because they're so scared that they're going to kill drive and break their spirit and flatten the dog out and shut them down. And, and I have to be honest that there's times where we do have to shut down some drive in certain dogs in certain situations because you just can't be walking down the street and your dog j- jacks into drive and then pulls people down the street so it can chase the bird. And then the pram goes onto the road. Like there's situations where the dog needs to learn, Hey, you, like for example, Chili, did I suppress his drive when he chased that duck? Well, I guess I didn't because I harnessed it and I used it towards my favor, but that's because I'm kind of prepared for it. But the general everyday person, we have to understand that they have the kelpie and it wants to chase the bird. You have to show them while you're on the leash and we're walking down the street, this is a context where that drive is, is not acceptable. It's not appropriate to chase the seagull while we're walking past a fish and chip shop and jump on top of the people's um, table full of food. Like that wouldn't be appropriate. Or if you're sitting down at that coffee shop, you tell him, Hey, you're laying down and you have to stay there. I know you want to get up and eat the food, but I'll give you a training session or, or, or I'll reward you for being in position. So there is a fine line. Are we shutting the dog down and killing all of his drive? Or are we establishing control and showing him there's a time and place to show both of them? I'll give you both. But if you weren't doing anything in the background, but except for making your dog do stuff and hold long durations of commands, that's when you will shut them down. So 
I think some people do it by accident as well is that they don't know how to fulfill the dog and give them a job and make them an athlete because they are an athlete, but fulfill their athleticism. And then they go, but I just want my dog to just chill. And it's like, yeah, but you've got to give him everything else. So then that becomes the yin and the yang and balances out. Good note to finish on. Ooh, I think, mate. That was that. Um, any questions, let us know. And of course we will answer it. Um, and I think that was pretty productive. It was good. And Roger, I hope you appreciate the answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't presume to say it was a good episode, but I enjoyed it. No, it was hectic. I loved it. All right. Well, thank you. I'll speak to you later, brother. Thanks, boys and girls. See you later. Boy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.